and we're on. All right. Hello. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hi, James. So we're continuing this series on uh, the family series, but also we feel like we're going to title this Leading from the Home. Uh, previously, we had talked to uh, Sophie Molinero, and she was talking about how sports has been an important part of her life at a young age and how leadership helps her kind of develop, you know, maybe maybe it's transitive, you know, not just in sports, but also at home. Talked a little bit with Ryan about what his parenting thoughts were, but, you know, in any family, there's two parents. There's two. It takes two. It's sure. not just one. And so we thought it would be important to just talk to um, Ryan's wife, Lauren. So we have Lauren as well on the podcast. And so maybe, Lauren, you can give a quick introduction to yourself and you know, where you're from and your background. Sure. Um, my name's Lauren. Um, I met Ryan years ago maybe roughly uh, we've been married for 10 years and uh, my background has always been working with kids and in the education um, so while I was at Cal State Long Beach getting my degree I worked um, for a regional center funded program um, for infants and toddlers 18 months to three-year-olds with disabilities so I did in-home therapy and I was one of the lead teachers at a clinic there that did group therapy for for kiddos um, all over the spectrum. Mm -hmm. So I got my start in early ed and loved it. And so I went and got my multiple subjects teaching credential, which is um, a teaching credential for K through eight. And then I went and got my master's and second credential in early childhood special education. Um, and from there, I went on to um, work at a private school in Palos Verdes called Chadwick. I was a learning specialist there for 10 years. And I have done educational therapy since, and now I am director of student support services at um, a school here down in San Diego. Wow. As you can hear, extensive, a sense of education experience, specifically in child development and specialized in disability. So obviously, well, very good ped pedigree. You might think the perfect parent to raise a yeah. child. <laughs> so you're perfect. <laughs> and then, you know, Ryan, last time we talked on the on the podcast, we never actually got your background. Maybe you can give a quick introduction about your background. Yeah, absolutely. Um, kind of lived all over the country. If I really go back, um, East Coast, spent college years in the Midwest. Love that. That was a, a really neat experience to come from kind of the East Coast grind to the Midwest care. Mm -hmm. Then made my way west to California. Felt the call always to come this way. So mm. had an opportunity, took it, um, led into a, a role in management right away out of college, took it, took jobs no one else wanted and, and did things uh, like working weekends and long, long hours all through my 20s and um, really started to work my way up in the... Uh, in the management world, started asking myself a question about, well, I guess it's 14 years ago now. I said, what, you know, what am I good at? And I knew I was good at people. I knew I was good at lifting other people up. I knew I was good at um, developing people and not only good at it, but that's what I loved. Okay. So I loved bringing people to be their best, Okay. you know, helping them excel. And I've been in management since at various levels, uh, to executive management, and um, now it's on the consulting side and helping others do it well um, in in their world. 
Yeah, and a quick question. Is there anything in your education, in your degrees, that you thought would help with that? Or what was your degree? Did you mention that? No, I didn't. G degree was business. Mm -hmm. It was finance. Okay. So certainly uh, I enjoyed the psychology classes. Mm -hmm. uh, I enjoyed law classes. Mm -hmm. um, and I enjoyed the uh, extracurricular classes as well. They're always fun. And really it came down to I enjoyed the classes that was the most interactive and where I was engaging with others. So no necessary formal education, but all lived experiences in terms of relationship and people management and the jobs that you've taken. Yeah, I mean, it was relationship, people management, and then it really became a, a journey that I started going down. So then it was self-improvement books. Started there. Mm -hmm. um, right away, I, I, I read a book and I said, wow, there's some stuff I do. There's some other stuff I don't do. And I started uh, this path of self-discovery mm -hmm. and then starting to experiment and try things on and started getting in a lot of conversations and shortly thereafter I'd say two years after I started that journey I uh, started working with Garrett and then we kind of naturally gravitated towards one another and found that we're a good pair right and from there I've just gone deeper and deeper into content and learning on my own. And you also have, have a wife and kids that make you. Uh, <laughs> forced to learn also. That, that's where you start getting real practical. On, when you uh, go? On how, you know, how's my behavior? How's my behavior at home? Yeah. Well, well before we get into that then, I mean, not to interrupt you, but I want to also just quickly get people caught up. Like, you moved to California. How long before you guys met? And then how long did you date and then get married? And then how long did you have so before you decided to have children? Well, we met roughly, like Lauren said, 15 years ago. Um, we didn't start dating until a few years after we met. We met through friends. Mm -hmm. It was a, kind of a neat story. And yeah, we met through one of my coworkers um, lived in the same complex as Ryan. And I had moved from Manhattan Beach to back to Long Beach. And so she invited me out to dinner. I tagged along, and it was supposed to be her and her boyfriend, and this guy shows up with <laughs> his, um, at that well, time, girlfriend. girlfriend. Yeah. So oh, wow. I was a fifth wheel on a, on a double wow. date. That was fun. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then, so then what, I guess now I'm interested, like, what happened there? We uh, were friends for three years, maybe? Yeah, roughly. Two or three years, and um, we both were part of a larger group of friends and enjoyed hanging out, and we um, went on some trips together, and... Yeah, I'd say our turning point was we went on a trip, we connected uh, quite a bit, and just we were going on these long walks as the group. We were we were in uh, the mountains of Big Bear, and, and we just found ourselves walking and and just kind of floating through the town, trying went to a hat store, trying on stuff like just really having fun. Mm -hmm. um, the whole weekend was, uh, I would say, really joy filled. Every yeah. person that was there. Oh. And go ahead. And from there, it was like, hey, I'd I, I, for me, I was like, I, I want to see her again. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Like soon. Mm -hmm. And um, she seemed to agree. She seemed to agree. Well, <laughs> you know, she she was still figuring me out. And uh, I, that Wednesday we went out and uh, we went for a long walk. And on that walk, we both remember it. I know I remember it vividly. We know exactly where we were. And I was like, I would like to spend the rest of my life with this lady. What was it about her? Can you just, if you could name something that you felt like this was it. 
something? It was... I would say just the quality and depth of conversation mm. we could have. Okay. Um, I think up to that point, we had spent... our We were 30 at the time, so... Yeah. It was, you know, our 20s of just friendships and having fun and going out and partying, doing whatever 20-year-olds do. Mm -hmm. um, but then when we connected, we were able to, like, right away, like, go deep in conversation and connected on, like, foundational levels of just what we wanted out of life and our future. And we were able to talk about it. And he's able to talk about those things, which a lot of men aren't able to do. <laughs> so um, I think just our conversations. Hadn't met me yet. Yeah, there was there was a, maybe a self awareness, perhaps. Mm -hmm. that yeah, I think we both knew who we were as individuals, right. and we both already knew each other on a friend level. Mm -hmm. And so once we did decide to date and connect, like there wasn't much time to figure things out. Like we already kind of knew okay. that this was the path we we're headed. Nice. And then, how long were you guys married before you guys decided to have Sophie and children? <laughs> and how that was January. We went on a, a date. I bought a ring in. March, April. Okay. I think I ordered it in April. Um, and then we got engaged. In November. In November that year, on my birthday. She had no idea it was coming. <laughs> and then we got married six months later and thought that it would take a while to have kids, but Sophie came less than a year later. So. Right. Okay, so <laughs> it was imme like immediately, immediately after. Yeah. Immediate. yeah. We okay. kind of jumped right into buying a house, having a baby, yeah. wow. renovating. Wow. We did we all the things they tell you not to do. <laughs> yeah, we were moving in the okay. day she went into labor. Yeah, Ryan was wow. in the storage unit, and I called him and said, it's time. And wow. his response was, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> That's not her favorite response for me. Yeah. Granted, <laughs> are you sure? Granted, there was, we had gone... A few times earlier, mm -hmm. and they call it once. false labor. And okay, I see. We both looked at each other and child. laughed. Yeah. So then, how did you guys prepare for having a child? Then, did you guys read up on it? Did you, I mean, you had the education. Was there things that you did? What? How did you prepare? She for She knew this? a lot more than me. I felt very comfortable with the idea of having kids, mm -hmm. raising kids. I'm very comfortable around babies. I, I, my mom is one of eight. I have 32. I think. Um, cousins on her side, on my dad's side, I have a plethora of cousins too. So I was raised amongst kids and yeah. babysitting. I started babysitting at 10, I think. So there was no trepidation. And there was no like worry or um, like learning curve in terms of what to do with a baby, how okay. to change diapers and right. that kind of stuff was right. very familiar to me. And then just the idea of family has something I've dreamt of for my entire life. So that wasn't um, a concern of mine. Okay. How about, how about yourself, Ryan? I knew I wanted to have children. Um, had zero idea what that entailed. I think the first infant I held was my daughter. Wow. And I had to learn a lot. So you learned on the fly. And when you had yeah, I tend to build the parachute on the way down. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah, so I guess I imagine with your extensive background and education with Ryan coming in kind of blind... How did that relationship work in terms of opinions and raising a child? Well, he says that he's, you know, figuring things out as he goes. But he, what he's not saying is he is very well researched and versed in other areas. So I may handle a lot of like developmentally what's happening or mm -hmm. discipline or parenting styles or, you know, which direction we're headed with that. But <laughs> in terms of health and nutrition and what we're feeding and mm. um doing for our kids from a health standpoint is 100% Ryan. So I would say, I mean, he took the lead on literally making from, you know, scratch all of our baby food and wow. 
you know, mm-hmm. nut milks when the babies were a year old. So he definitely, we, we defaulted to what we knew and what was comfortable. Mm-hmm. And we um, were able to um, release control in those areas and defer to the other person. How soon were you guys able to quickly defer, uh, determine whose areas of responsibility was what? Like, was that something you guys actually discussed or was it just a natural, like, hey, Ryan's a nutrition guy. He has the extensive knowledge in dieting, discipline, maybe yours, what? I think it kind of organically unfolded as the kids got grew older and the needs became apparent. I think there was definitely a learning curve the mm-hmm. first, mm-hmm. you know, six months when they're the newborn stage where, you know, it's hard not as a mom to get resentful that you're the only one getting <laughs> up in the middle of the night uh, and feeding. And right. The, you know, the sharing of responsibility when they're so young mm-hmm. is tough. Um, and there was she made sure I woke up too. She made sure you woke up. And well, he would wake up in the morning and be like, wow, they did great. Like, <laughs> I was up nine times last night. <laughs> I slept great. I, you know, I didn't. I'm assuming, Ryan, you're a deep sleeper then. You can sleep through anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I guess then the question then is how was there any conflict besides the, the waking up night where you guys had disagreements on how to raise a child? Were some of the things that, you know, you guys maybe had different opinions or were you guys always in total alignment with what we should do? I, I would say for the big picture things, we're pretty much aligned on most things. There was yeah. maybe a few, one or two, and it wasn't even disagreements, but like, okay, we need to talk about this a little bit further. Like a conversation needs to be had. It's not just like I'm, you, you, you make the decision and I'm behind you. Mm. But um, for the most part, I would say I maybe wouldn't always say we loved it, but <laughs> like in terms of his passion for, you know, making food and mm-hmm. everything needs to be sourced from, from proper mm-hmm. sourcing to what they're eating it and matters. how they're eating, <coughs> it matters. But for me, like, that could be a source of frustration on days where, like, you just need to be convenience, too, right? Right. <laughs> as a mom. So yeah. there's moments of tension with he may want this to look a certain way for, like, health and quality of food, which I wholeheartedly agree, but also I'm the one at home who's being forced to do all this because while he's you're at work. Right. And so the load and the work level it's easy for someone to say that, but then to actually live that out is a different story. So there's moments of tension with that, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't because I didn't agree with him or wasn't on board with it. It was just the practicality of playing that out is a little bit harder than easier said than done. When you had Sophie and you know, you weren't working at that time. You were fully dedicated. I was. So So after I had Sophie, I was home for five months and then I Mm -hmm. went back to work. I went back part time, but, as any part-time mom knows, you get paid part-time, but you're working full-time. Right. <laughs> the hours right. still was a lot. So, um, yeah, I went back part-time until I had Camille, and then I did um, consulting stuff on the side once Camille was born. Okay. And I'm, I'm surprised, you know, you're talking about nutrition and health. Is, is that something they didn't teach you in school? They don't, I was thinking in school they would teach you, like, the whole person, like, oh. So what would they teach you in education in the school? Give me some examples of what they're teaching you. In, in I mean, it's more have, having to do with the learning environment and accessing curriculum and making sure that every child with even different learning styles and different needs, those needs are addressed in a classroom setting. Mm-hmm. But as so far to say like outside or home life, it's not really addressed. Although I learned, like, I think there's a very big difference from being in a classroom and learning learning theory mm-hmm. of something to walking it out 
practically in real life. Right. So things like I learned about autism and different disabilities per se, but then when I was working like with the regional center program, I was working hand in hand with families. And so when they're talking about, you, you learn about like ADA behavior therapy and um, adaptations and modifications and accommodations in the classroom, to support these kids, but what they are not teaching you is like all the backstory that the families are going through. And so okay. part of it is nutrition. So a lot of families tried like a gluten casein free diet, mm -hmm. which worked wonders. So these mm -hmm. are things that they're not always. So you learned about. that at school versus something that I think it's just, I've learned that there's always more to the story mm -hmm. and that it's not a simple um, step program to getting results that there's all these different facets of, of each of these kids' lives and their home life plays into it 100%. Mm. And so you have to build relationships with not only the kids but the families and learn what's going on and how to support them. So how are the, the, the things that you took in the education side, maybe you know, aside from the nutrition that they didn't teach, what things did they teach you in the education that you found readily applicable to your own home or possibly in the school? Maybe both. Now ask maybe the differences between the two. So... Sorry, the question was, what did I learn? Did I learn in the education in school that you felt like it readily applied to your work? And then did that also apply at home? Or would you treat them differently? I, yes, I think sometimes more information isn't always better. So okay. I knew a lot about developmental milestones and what, you know, expe expectations you should be seeing at different stages of development. Mm, okay. And so sometimes when you know too much, you start to like freak out over all these little so, things. So, so there's a little anxiousness because yeah, you know what they're supposed to be sure, developing. Okay. Sure. When you know what should be coming and if it doesn't come on time or mm. whatever, that can be nerve wracking. But mm. um, yeah, I think that was helpful too to like just kind of the way I work is like I like to think ahead and planning what's next and seeing what's coming down, you know, the path for, for us and like preparing for those things. So like um, a lot of the developmental milestones were huge in terms of preparation for family life, like transitioning from a crib or potty training or just the, the normal transitions that every parent has to go through was, was helpful to kind of have um, a bigger picture of what that looks like. Did you find the same techniques or ideas that you applied at work also applied at home, or what things did you feel like was totally different that maybe you did at work but you never you would never use at home? Um, I think in terms of work and home, what doesn't <laughs> apply is I have been an educational therapist and tutor for years too. So when I work with kids, I have a system of how I help with executive functioning and organization and time management and you know homework support, and then when doing that with my own children, <laughs> <They're> not <laughs> necessarily wanting Still to different. hear that from, from mm. mom. Mm. So there's a different role and different hat that you wear as a parent that they're not always, you know, when a kid comes in the classroom and a teacher says something, it's like, it's gold. It's mm -hmm. like, that is law. Right. <laughs> but if mom says the same thing, not it's, the like, same. It's, not the same. it's white noise. So I think like working with my older daughter on, on a homework problem or something, and I would explain it and she's like, mom, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, well, Wow. No, well, she kind of does. Wow. So there's that that parenting um, role that just it's not received the same way. Like if I were to work with another student, I think it just it's yeah. different. So. Yeah, the role is different because you're a mom. So, right. so then how do you work around that being a mom, but with all your extensive background? Like how do you then apply that and also get to what you want her to do when you know she needs to do that? Mm -hmm. Like is there a method to that, or do you have to adjust? I think it's it 
it's a case by case as situations come up. So like for homework, it's it's figuring out what the goal is, setting goals and helping her have power and decision and making those things happen. Like for us, homework was an issue. She didn't want to come home every day after school and do homework because our rule is you can't do any after school activities or turn on the TV or go on a play date until homework's done. Mm. And so that was just our boundary that we created. And so I, we worked together talking about like, well, how do we make this work for you? And so giving her some choices and some control in that. And she decided on her own, she set her alarm for 4.45 or 5 a.m.? Uh, she was up a few mornings at 4 a.m. Yeah. Wow. So she decided it'd be better for her to wake up early and do her homework before school so that when she gets home, she can do what she wants. So, how so that was a compromise that we said, fine, if that's what you're going to do, I, I she does it. Interesting. commend you for that. And she did it the entire school year. Wow. So you gave her, she gave her flexibility to make her own decision. Yeah, I yes. think giving them choices so they feel they have some say and control mm-hmm. really empowers them because, I mean, what parent doesn't want their kid to and it's more in a request form yeah, right it's a request and it's not this demand that's going to create rebellion from your kids it's no we, this is something we have to do let's partner together let's compromise how do we get this done that works for both of us so you actually presented like hey this is what we need to do yeah like that this is the requirement mm-hmm. this isn't something i'm creating out of out of the blue right i would like before tv comes on or a play date or something this to be done so beyond that that's my only boundary and so we kind of brainstorm some ideas and she gets up early anyways and so she always asks if she could watch a show we would say no it's a school day mm-hmm. and so it kind of was a natural way for her to use that time wisely wow yeah. so i think is teaching her a lifelong skill yeah absolutely dad's proud yeah you're proud oh okay. yeah Ooh. i'm proud of her because well, I get up early, and I've I've found that the, there's just that gold in, in the early rise. And mm-hmm. Win the day. Yeah, win the day, win the morning, and then you know your your day is completely different than as if you get up late and then you're just behind. Sure, you can't make your bed and all these other these. There's all these little things that you can do in the morning to set yourself up well, for. See, a good and day. this is where parenting comes in because. Mm-hmm. Camille, our other daughter, mm. oh, yeah. it's night and day different. Okay. We're She's literally different. dragging her out of bed yep. when it's time to go to school. So okay. that will not work for her. So we have to come up with a different solution. So at each kid's different. Their hearts are different. Their styles of learning are different. Like right. Literally, our parenting has to change for each, each child, child. right? Mm-hmm. So and so with Sophie's case, she came up with her own you know, decision, mm-hmm. process, how to make the work for the other. And that was successful for her. But let's hypothetically say it didn't work for her. She said, I want to wake up early, but she's still not getting the homework done in time. What would you do in these cases then where you probably have an idea what's best? Well, I think if, if it's a, that the homework's too hard and she's challenged with the homework, there would be a different solution than if it's she's bored sure. or whatever that may be. But one, one solution might be, okay, what, what do you think would be a reasonable amount of time to sit down and do homework for? And she may say 10 minutes. Mm. Okay, let's set a a timer for 10 minutes. You're going to do work. And then when the timer goes off, we'll go get a snack, take a break, and set another timer. So it it depends on what the source, what the the root of the problem is. If it's a attention span, she she can't literally sit for that long, then we'll break it up in chunks. If it's the work's too hard, then maybe we need some support and, and homework. Yeah. So I think it depends the function of the behavior of what we're seeing and addressing it from that standpoint. Interesting. And let me ask you, Ryan, because, you know, being a manager, what things do you find at the workplace that also applies to at home? 
what did you find that you learned in the workplace that seemed similar that you could apply? Or maybe it was things that did not, of course, you know, as a family, as a blood, you know, but yeah, well, what applied? There's a different response. And um, I'm extremely thoughtful on wanting to, I have a desire to know their heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I've found actually diving into that is more applicable in the workplace. So you're saying what you, you learned at home in terms of understanding your daughter's heart. Yeah, knowing who she is. Yeah. Which comes into one of the most important rules that, that we teach is knowing your people. So you learned something at home that then you took it back to work and said that's something that worked at home from leaving at home and you applied it to yeah. the workplace. And I think there's another piece that Ryan does really well is not only does he know like his daughters and people he works with, but he speaks into them. Like he mm. validates them and encourages and takes the time to um, speak into those things that he knows that they've been working hard. We, we as a family address the idea of we don't care about grades or the product of things. We care about the process. And okay. mm-hmm. we don't care if you get an A, but if you studied really hard and worked hard, then that's celebrated. So it's the about effort. the effort and the hard work, not about what comes of it. Right. And so Ryan does a really good job of um, just speaking into that. And like you can see, like he'll say, wow, so that you worked so hard. I'm so proud of you. And like her eyes are just <laughs> lighting up. Mm. And sparkling. Yeah. It's really cute. So I think he does a good job of knowing who they are, but also speaking into it. Well, and then that brings into maybe a, maybe a conflict, though, because, you know, I can see, like, let's say she's working really hard, but she's still getting a D, you know, and there's, like, there is a results-oriented process that a lot of parents have to think about. And then also in the workplace, you know, if you're trying to take that and speak into people, but they're still not producing, mm-hmm. how do you handle then in a world that values performance, values results? How do you handle that as a development child and also in the workplace? I'll let Lauren go first. Okay. I think that you need to stay true to the effort because the effort will produce better results. So as long as you agree that what is the goal of this? Is it the goal to get the A? Because I don't think many parents really, you know, at least at the kid, the ages our kids are at, Mm. a grade doesn't really matter. It's creating foundational skills and habits that will sustain the lifetime. And so I feel like the more you associate hard work to be intrinsically motivating for them to do it, if, mm. if you are just focusing on the product, the A, that creates an intrinsic motivation. Like, I only feel sure. motivated if I get the A. Right. What happens when you don't? Right. So it, you really want to enforce the intrinsically motivated child yeah. to do well. And I yeah. think part of that is, we talk about it too, is, I follow this gal, and she's she's been great, but she t- talks about um, um, ignore the junk, so only wa- don't water the weeds. Okay. Meaning, so behaviors you see that you're not really wanting to promote in your kids, or mm-hmm. if they're whining or crying or, you know, being kids, mm-hmm. you're kind of choosing to look for the good instead of, like, the, 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 the phrase that she uses is water the, don't water the weeds. So okay. if you're seeing behaviors you're not loving, don't give them attention. Don't give it attention. Okay. Don't address it. You want to just ignore it and instead find something that they're doing that's, that's good. good. Focus on that. Focus on that because kids are wired to respond to attention, both negative and positive. So mm-hmm. if you're feeding the negative behaviors attention, you're actually encouraging that to happen mm. again and again. That's a good point. 
Right, you were gonna say something? No, I mean, uh, I was gonna go after her. I, I mean, here's the deal: at at, at work, um, you know when people aren't putting in effort, and if you don't, as the the manager or the lead, well, um, let me just say, as as having directs, you'll know because somebody's gonna say something on the team. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, Jim's not Jim's not doing a whole lot. Um, you, you have to be careful. Sometimes people don't have good intentions, but then you'll start seeing that too. There's a pattern. So at work, you, you see these patterns. I've found in my experience that people do want to do a good job. Mm-hmm. They want to do a good job. It's the manager that shuts them down from being creative, from putting in the effort, from doing, making a decision because, oh, the, the manager shut them down so hard the last time that they made a decision that didn't have a great outcome. It maybe wasn't detrimental to, to the business, but it wasn't ideal. It's just safer to not, to not make the decision for the person. So it, it, it completely applies it's the same you know the, the the two go hand in hand home and home and, and profession is is the effort there is the care there is is it is it going to be to care internally about their yeah work. i mean a, a, listen i can never get someone to care i can never make them force them to care more than they can hold themselves accountable okay. to care to, to put in the effort mm-hmm. i can, I could never. I could get some real short term. Let me wave your job in front of you. Motivation. Mm-hmm. You're gonna. If, if you don't do this, <laughs> this is gone. That's short term. And oh, and by the way, everyone around is watching, and they see that, and then now you just lost trust with all them. Mm-hmm. Huge. Well, then I guess you know back to the you know what uh, in a results oriented world, world where a company needs profit. You're rewarding behavior, but the person's still not doing it. Like, how do you handle that? Like, how do you, you know, developing a child may be different than somebody who's an adult who already has a family and, you know, like, like say the salesperson who's putting all the effort, but they're not making any sales. Like, yeah. as a manager or supervisor, what do you do to hold them accountable? Or what do you do to motivate them to be able to do that? I mean, you, first, you have to have the courage to have the conversation. So that's where courage comes in. We can, we run from those conversations because they're really hard, mm-hmm. and oh, someone might not like me. And and listen, I, I I'm not saying that flippantly. Like, it's a real thing. Someone doesn't want to be unliked as a manager at work. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Scott from The Office has is the best example of that. Mm-hmm. He would he he's the extreme example, and it really is. It's The Office, but he was a he didn't want anyone to not like him. So what did he do that whole show? He never made tough decisions. Mm-hmm. He would pull someone in. Dwight, hey, Dwight, you know, address this with everyone. You know, go out there and tell everyone they're fired. Uh, tell everyone they got to do this. Tell. He never made that decision. So you have to, you have to start somewhere. And, and you might not be ready to have the full, if, if you're seeing, uh, uh, you're going to see a pattern. You're going to see a pattern of behavior. And if you see that pattern, First time, second time, third time, okay, now we're seeing something that's 
not helping the overall goal. Mm -hmm. So the first thing you do is you align. You align on the overall goal. Hey, this is this is what we're working towards. Now, mind you, you should already know this person. I was going to say, it all comes back to know your people, right? Mm -hmm. And if it you does. already have that relationship and that rapport, it's easier to have that conversation when that time comes. Of right. like, hey, I know you're. I noticed that you're putting in all this effort. We're not seeing the results. And, and I think that if that relationship and that rapport already exists, you can work with them instead of right. you know, leveraging yeah, something over them. And I think that... It, part of that takes some EQ awareness too of EQ. how to talk to people, how to like uncover what the problem is. Mm -hmm. So if you can't help as a manager figure out what the roadblock is or what is happening, how are they supposed to fix it either? They're not going to do it perfect out the gates either. It takes practice. Mm -hmm. It takes effort, right? The effort. So you put in the effort to know the person. You put in the effort to help make sure they understand the goal. What, what are we going to do here? What's the vision? Right. And now uh, you said the hard conversations with your subordinates. Is it the same with your children having a hard conversation? And how do you do that with your children? Yeah, I think it's it's delicate, right? Mm -hmm. Like you don't want to label or put things on them that aren't them. I think it's still like we, we try to just ask a lot of questions, mm -hmm. a lot of leading questions. Like <laughs> there was a time where one of our daughters played a sport soccer and literally it was painful to, mm. to watch she, she just wasn't interested in she invested. talked about it already in the she podcast. talked about it i was okay. actually really yeah. proud of her it was yeah, really she, she came home I, I wasn't i didn't hear it yet but um she got in the car and instead of just being like sophie you need to pay attention you need to kick the ball let's let's get going you know and, and trying to parent her from a teaching perspective mm -hmm. i would ask her question how do you think that went right like, what do you think right and so asking some questions and trying to lead her to an awareness and understanding is part of our job to help support her and not just cut her down. Right. So in, you know, she, in an earlier podcast, she did talk about that incident. And so how did you know that this maybe was not the sport for her to continue? And, or how do you encourage her to continue on and finish the goal? Like, how do you find that balance? Yeah, for us, it's if you start something and commit to it, you see it through. She okay. said that. There You'd be proud no, of her. There is no quitting. Mm. Um when it comes to something you've committed to in initially. Okay. Um, there's choice in what they get to commit to, so there is a, their choice out the gates. Mm -hmm. um, right now, they our rule in our family is they can do two things at a time, so they get to pick what those two things are. But there's a season that you, once you sign up for it, you are got to see it all the way through. You're talking two things in a season in terms of, like, sports right, or right. activity? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then with, with, with one of your daughters, well, you know, it's Sophie, so mm -hmm. what... Well, when she said she didn't want to do it anymore, and this is early, how, how did you handle that to continue to motivate her to commit to that? Because I imagine it would be very hard if she doesn't want to do it, if she doesn't want to put the effort in. She's basically, you know, how, was it a team, team effort or was it all on Ryan, yourself? How no, did I think work? as a family we've, yeah, we've yeah. told her that we have to see it through. Your teammates are counting on you. Mm -hmm. This is something we committed to. Mm -hmm. Next season you don't have to play soccer again. Right. But this is and, and to top it all off, she had asked Ryan to be the coach. So right, I guess that's what I coaching said. the that's, team. That's I'm coaching the team. Right, a former athlete. Mm -hmm. I have, you know, hey, we're gonna we're gonna results oriented. Results oriented. Win. I'm I'm yeah. driven to yeah. perform, and I'm like, hey, you know. So imagine the opportunity for me mm. to to have to walk through this. Right, right. It's not how I would have done it. It's mm. maybe not what I want my child to do. So I had to really, you know, it was. I had to step back 
I had to look at the whole thing, um, not get taken out by my emotions, work with Lauren, mm. needed her help. Okay. Um, I knew it wouldn't be fruitful to force her. To force her. And so I, I knew some things not to do, which wasn't force her, coach her from the car, and I, and I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna be reprimanding her on the field, and, um, but that now all along I was, I was still had some firm boundaries on the field. You know, mm. there would be some complaining, and I said, "We're practicing. Everyone's practicing. Can you please go get back and in line?" The game days, everyone has to play, so mm. there were days where she went in for thirty seconds, but she there was went a in. thirty second game. <laughs> there was a thirty second game. I. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I think she was out quickly. Yeah, yeah. We I think we talked about this yeah. one. So, but, so Lauren, you're seeing this, you know, this play out, mm-hmm. and Ryan's relying on you. Like, maybe you can maybe elaborate. How were you relying on her, and what were you thinking, and how were you thinking of supporting or helping in this in this situation? Well, I, I'm trying to um, get her buy-in, knowing her strengths and okay. what she cares about. So, what she cares about is she's a people person too. So mm. she cares about her friends and being uh. there and not letting them down yep. and knowing her you knew being part came. of a team what does that mean and what does that look like and giving her some power and control so like since ryan was a coach we bought this like water sprayer so she could spray her friends during halftime or wow. like giving her something that she was excited about to be participating in the game and she was for. excited to be spraying water on her friends right she loved it's it. the baby steps the little yeah. things you got to find that give them some buy-in i think that just takes innovation though because mm-hmm. i don't people would would think that to give a mm-hmm. spray bottle and she was interested most people would be like you need to get on the field yeah. this is you know we gotta score yeah. you know so i mean listen it, it comes into we have to be aligned mm-hmm. and it's the same thing in the workplace mm-hmm. you have to be aligned you gotta be aligned with everything i don't know if you're in charge the higher you are up the more you have to worry about alignment up and down the entire mm-hmm. chain yeah. right and the vision like is our vision for sophie for her to be a star soccer player no it's for her to know what hard work is and being part of a team and get that experience and know herself know that that's not something she's interested in so once we knew what like our goal and vision was for her it was like just seeing it through yeah and so you know well we talked about sports with the other episode how did you how do you see sports in terms of applying to her life and is it a benefit or maybe a negative thing soccer is one example but the other examples like how did you guys make the decision even to start her at two years old or 18 months old? Like, mm-hmm. What was their thought process between that? Uh, for me, I think being involved in team sports is like a must for kids at some point. And I, we yeah. believe really in um, giving them exposure to everything okay. and just giving them a well-rounded experience of childhood and not specializing in them in one thing too early and letting mm. them be kids and um, I think you learn a lot being part of a team sport and competition. Mm-hmm. And I think um, it's something I think culture and society has watered down a ton of like this this era of everyone gets trophies. There's there's no losers, which is is great in terms of building self-esteem. But kids need to know how to get feedback and how to receive criticism and how to lose gracefully, lose gracefully. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the you know, being a good sport and cheering on the team even when you're not doing well. And that's a hard thing for kids to learn. Because sure. the losing is actually an opportunity as well mm-hmm. because it's, well, I don't want it, I don't want that feeling again. Mm-hmm. What's it going to take? Oh, I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to have to work more. I'm going to have to work harder. I'm going to have to pay attention when my coach is saying something. I'm going to have to pay attention when I'm being taught. So there's opportunity there. 
So this idea of sports, was that something that was taught in education or something that you just knew inherently or experienced or read up on to do something like this? No, I think Ryan was pretty passionate about them playing a team sport. He came from team sports. Team and individual. Um, I grew up dancing, so for me, we threw them in gymnastics at, what, 18 months old? 18 months. Yeah. I think Parent that gives them good mind-body coordination type of um, a foundation to go off of. So I think just involvement in sports and community and friendships and you know life lessons that are learned in that and i think um we don't necessarily need them to be the best athlete mm-hmm. we want them to be a good person and be able to handle gracefully also we, but it also plays that beyond sports i mean sophie wasn't always the most gracious loser she still isn't <laughs> working on so that so we we started i started investing in like games board okay. games okay and now we're like trying to do family game nights where nice. we're not taking it easy and she has to lose sometimes it doesn't oh always boy. go well it doesn't always go well <laughs> but i think that's our job to teach her like mm. it's not about i mean th- there's this cheesy phrase of like it, you know winning doesn't matter but for you know a nine-year-old or an eight-year-old it it's mm. everything. Right. So how do we lose gracefully? Yeah, it feels like every decision you guys made to put your children in sports or an activity is for a process of learning, mm-hmm. not necessarily the results in terms of winning in itself, but mm-hmm. a, a developmental process for them to learn how to handle life. Right. I think if if a child is a natural, raw talent, that's going to come. It I, comes. I, think you, I don't think you have to force them into sports to teach them skills of soccer at the age of three like Mm. i think if they're naturally just drawn to that it's gonna come so i think this age for kids absolutely the goal is not necessarily the the skill of the sport itself it's so much more beyond that i've been around a lot of high level athletes my whole life actually Mm. even from when i was very young um my, my my sister's husband was a professional athlete so i spent a lot of time with him and his friends and and saw that but Every time, if someone's really, really good, if they have the talent, well, one, you got to pair the effort with the talent. The heart with the talent. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it, even it, so, if they have that talent and but they don't have the effort, we've all seen the natural talents that don't do anything. That's not a new story. We love the story of the the Rudies of the world, right? Right. The just absolute heart for hard work. And. So that's where that effort comes in, in in that foundation. And if they have that raw talent and they find their sport, you know, say, hey, we could even get it wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do recommend you want to do a sampling of many sports and you don't want to specialize early. Yeah. And that's my next question is, how do you know what's an age-appropriate sport? Determine, determine that. Like 18 months seems a little young for gymnastics, but I know in dance you had her maybe at four years, a little bit later. Dance, they started, I think, at two or three. Okay. Yeah, like two and a half. But I think it's developmentally appropriate. Like, at 18 months, we weren't throwing her in a gymnastics class and leaving. Like, Mm -hmm. it was a parent. Oh, it was a parent gymnastics class. Yeah, it was a parent-led class. Mm -hmm. So you're there with them the whole time. There's a few other dads in there. Yeah, you get the runners, which our child was. (laughs) So it's it's fun. It's part of them learning how to. Oh, and guess what you're doing as the parent? You're moving. Mm. Right. So you're helping every Saturday you. morning. You're also moving. There's a benefit to. Yeah, like there is. There's yeah. a benefit. It gets you doing. And and you know you're leaned over. You're having to pick up. You get up. You sit down. You, you take your shoes off. You're walking around bare feet. I mean, it's mm. there's there's a really good piece for the parent in that. 
Now, I asked Ryan this question, but I didn't ask you when we, you know, we talked about how education and your work experience and if it applied to the home. After being a mother, do you feel like, you know, what did you learn as a mother? Did you feel like it was applicable to work at your place as well? Or do you feel like it was basically very similar? Um, you know, did it I change? think for the first, like, gosh, I don't even know how long, five or six years of, of working as a learning specialist, I wasn't married. I didn't have kids. So I was very young. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew a lot of knowledge from, all the answers. from being oh, yeah. <laughs> in education for so long and working with kids and families. And so it wasn't that I was lacking experience, but I wasn't lacking perspective mm. from a parenting mm. perspective. And so what changed for me was, you know, I had parents would come into me, into my office with these problems and be like, well, it's obvious. You just do this and then it gets better. It's <laughs> so easy. Yeah. It's easy, Mr. There Karen. was a lot of like... Sure like seemingly simple solutions to problems and mm. then after having kids you realize it's never that simple <laughs> so and yeah. so i think what my biggest like takeaway from that is you need as a parent need to know what you're good at and let release some other stuff like i think you're not going to get it's not about perfection it's about progress mm-hmm. like taking good. baby steps to like yeah. figure out what you need to do and and seeking help, and a lot of times it's hard for parents to ask for help. Mm. It's admitting yeah. some fault or some, you know, failure or something. I think there's this guilt that moms especially feel that is really hard and shameful to, like, recognize that there's a problem. Yeah. Um, so I think just empathy for families and parents, and even though one solution works for one child, it doesn't work for another. So just creating relationship and open dialogue with families of, like, Try this, see how it works, let me know, and working together with them, not just giving them, you do this and your problem will be solved. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> That's fantastic advice. I mean, you know, you, it looks like you gave, uh, after being a parent, a little more grace mm-hmm. for the parents as well. And yeah. I think there's a lot of advice and wisdom you have there for both as a parent asking for help, but also the new graduate who's got the mm-hmm. double degree like mm-hmm. you and knows everything that maybe, you, you know, you need perspective a little bit here and that there's some experience so that's excellent advice. Yeah. It's, it's like scaffolding. I, we, we joke, I was talking to my dad about a lot of new graduates coming in. To, he's a lawyer. And so mm. coming in and like they're just been in school their entire career. And so they come in thinking, okay, where's the syllabus? How many pages does this need to be? What type? What font? Like They mm-hmm. need concrete steps. And mm-hmm. so I think a lot of new stu- people entering the workforce or kids even, they need scaffolding. So like you're taking what you used to need of the syllabus laid out very succinctly for yeah. you to like, let's try to incorporate some critical thinking, problem solving skills, all of that. Great. No, that's fantastic advice. And yeah, it's really good advice, it's especially every workplace, every workplace has so that. what, what's coming in, you know, when mm-hmm. someone's coming new out of college, and by the way, I think you can hire some phenomenal people right out of college. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we need to be careful of always looking for this, experiential resume that may or may not be ideal you know when you start looking on willingness to work hard Mm. willingness to work hard and that's where you want to start peeling back Mm -hmm. that's in those interviews when you want to get to know you want to get to know them in the interview right more than one and you peel all of those layers back i hired garrett out of college wow I was in a room of a panel interview. I think there was seven of us representing three different businesses. And everyone's like, oh, he seems like a good kid. Just, you know, I'm just young. And I'm like, I'll take him. And 
he's been one of the most phenomenal guys to work with. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I mean, I, we can go down so many different paths. Sure. I think there's so many more questions that we have, and if, but we're only close to 50 minutes. Mm. So what we can do now is that, like they did before with the others, an invitation, like in the future, have you back on again. If there are people who have listened to this podcast or watched YouTube and have some comments and questions, yeah. we can look to get that back to you, and then you can answer this on, on air again. I mean, I just think it was a very important perspective just knowing your background, being married to Ryan and raising, you know, obviously a very articulate, intelligent young girl. And some people are wondering, what did you guys do to create that environment for someone who was, yeah. she was actually the one, it was Sophie's idea to come begging on the podcast. It, yeah. She wasn't begging. She was basically, I want to be on this podcast. You can <laughs> have me Demanding, on. Yeah. Right. So, but she that. did a fantastic, and we, you know, the, the, how this really started is that we were just kind of playing with her, like rehearsing, just joking, but she had fantastic answers and Ryan's like, we need to record this. And so this is how this whole series starts because of Sophie. Yeah. So I think that's very interesting. Is there, is there anything else you guys want to say? Or No, I think that's really great, James. Anything that did come up that we want to unpack further, like just let us know and, and we're going to dive deeper. Now, from this, you're going to hear some themes moving forward that will come out. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about alignment. We're going to talk about knowing your people. What does that mean? We're going to, we're going to talk about how these things apply at home and, and in the workplace and right. in, in life. Yeah. Life isn't that compartmentalized. So. No, I mean it, it. It all, and now we're 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 like hybrid models. We're working at home. We're we're mm -hmm. at work, yeah. and then we've got kids, and and then we've got stuff. And the beautiful thing is, we're entering an era where it's being uh, celebrated that hey, someone has to go somewhere for their child, yeah. and we need parents involved in their children's lives. Mm -hmm. That's what we need in America. What we need in the world. Right, and not just about how do you get involved in a, a way that helps develop them, not versus where they feel shame. You know, right. Another topic, anyway. So, yeah. Lauren, did you have anything else to say? Or? No, thank you. That's well, yeah, well, we appreciate you having on. Yeah. I know you're super busy, and I know things are going on, but we really appreciate the time. Yeah, so thank you, guys, sharing your lives and sharing your knowledge.